Welcome to a cup of coffee in the big time. Cup of coffee in the big time. The pro wrestling podcast where we drink coffee and watch wrestling, preferably old wrestling. And today we are watching a show, a match from 23 years ago. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I am Ford and I am joined by the... The biggest, the biggest David Arquette fan in all of professional wrestling podcasting. That's right. Madness, madness. I am a David Arquette mark. I've watched this match and the one from Thunder about 57 times. I've watched all the Scream movies. I just love this man. And uh, he's the greatest uh, wrestler of all time as well. And it's because of your love for David Arquette that you refuse to watch Friends. Is that correct? This is true. All right. So uh, no Vegas here uh, this week, this episode with us. He is uh, doing whatever it is that Vegas does when he's not doing the show. You can follow this show on Instagram at Coffee and Wrestling. I don't even know if we update it anymore, but you could follow us there. Uh, Madness, that's uh, your cue to let us know. Yes, we are still updated okay. over there. Please hit us up over there with any suggestions that you'd like to see and uh, just shoot the shit. We're, we're live and, and active over there. We'll be posting soon after this episode is uh, released. Perfect. You could subscribe to us on YouTube at Coffee and Wrestling as well. So Instagram, YouTube, both Coffee and Wrestling. You can go to coffeeandwrestlingpod.com to find all the links to subscribe and watch and buy a shirt. You can follow Ford, that's me, on Twitter, at Ford Complains. And you can follow Madness on Instagram, at the Mike Madness. So, let's get uh, right to the reason why this is what we're doing today. And what we're doing today is we're watching the Triple Cage from WCW Slamboree 2000. It is for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And Madness's guy, David Arquette, is defending the title against DDP. And my guy, Jeff Jarrett, uh, the title is on the line. The winner has to grab uh, the belt, which is hanging 42 feet in the air at the top of the Triple Cage. Of course, it's the Triple Cage from the classic Ready to Rumble movie. Uh, madness, all seriousness and all joking aside, how many times have you actually seen this match? Zero, one, two? I would say the over-under on this would be 0. 0.5 because wow. I think I've either haven't seen it since it aired 23 years ago, which would be one, and I know I haven't watched it since. Uh, I haven't even watched it since uh, we discussed doing it here. So this will either be my first in full. Otherwise, I'm just doing that thing where I'm kind of piecing in highlights of it that I've seen throughout the years, uh, whether it be on social media, YouTube, or wherever else this nonsense pops up from WCW in 2000. Something tells me you did not watch this on pay-per-view when it aired on May 7, 2000. There's a good chance that I did not watch this. Uh, that's very true because I was pretty checked out of WCW at this point, but uh, I popped in and out here till the end. So you so never know. Th this was uh, the reason why we're doing this is because Madness had this great idea. Since all three of us were are turning forty this year, if we're able uh, to make it, two out of the three have that uh, we would do a birthday request, a very special uh, show for the birthday. And the guy gets to choose which 
what we do, what we watch, what we talk about. And Madness chose the 1992 WWF Royal Rumble, which we watched on our previous episode. You can go back and watch it. Mad, uh, Madness's birthday was uh, May 6th. We are technically past my birthday because I couldn't record beforehand, but my birthday was on May 20. And I chose this match uh, for two reasons. One, Jeff Jarrett. And two, because it actually puts a nice little bow on our David Arquette episode that we did last month that's in the archives that you could watch and listen to right now. And I think maybe you should have gone with a Macho Man Randy Savage uh, little thing for your birthday, I think, because it was uh, you share the unfortunate uh, demise date, the death date of Randy Savage with your birthday. I do, and it's forever. My birthday was forever a little tarnished 11 years ago when Macho Man died. I, I will never forget where I was when I got the phone call. 12 years, buddy. Oh, was it 12 years? Oh, yeah, it was 2011, yeah. Yep. 12 years. Yeah, I was, uh, I'll never forget where I was when I got the phone call, and I thought my buddy was ribbing me because it was my birthday. It wasn't a rib. Mm -mm. I was getting uh, married the next day. I got married uh, May 21st, 2011, so that that was something that we were busy doing all that. And then you got the news of the savage passing. Couldn't believe it. It was, I didn't get to process it as much as I thought I would given the circumstances, but uh, very unfortunate way too soon. But uh, I did want to mention that since you share that day and we are celebrating your 40th and happy fucking birthday, dude. Little Thank late. you very much. 40 does not feel any different than 39. I feel 29 still. I'm 40. I'm older than you. And I feel young as fuck. You're older than me by two weeks. That's exactly. A lot of so extra knowledge. Old. I've compri- I comprised a lot of extra knowledge in those two weeks. This is why I'm so much smarter than you. Correct. Correct. So um, it's kind of, you're just a day short of your wedding anniversary being my birthday. It's the day late. Yeah. It could have been all kinds of crazy shit uh, on one day. Well, yeah. it's all within a 24-hour span, I'm sure. So I am drinking uh, today uh, Seattle's Best Organic Fair Trade 6th Avenue Bistro Jones, dark roast, smooth roasted, ground coffee, 100%, Arabica, Arabica? Arabica. Wait. Arabica? Arabica? No. Arabica? Arabica. Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. It's a USDA organic. Seattle's best. Seattle's worst. I would be drinking coffee with you, but my therapist told me that I should probably stop at four cups. I've had five today, so I'm going to go ahead and just uh, ride this thing out. I was going to say, because we are doing it much. We are. We are. Ooh, we're doing it much yeah. earlier than we normally do it. And I thought maybe you might be drinking coffee, but you've already slammed uh, uh, two pots. Yeah. Yeah. I've already been uh, been down the road and, and back and, uh, you know, maybe fire some up midday. But for now, you got that. So when you drink your when you drink coffee, are you drinking like um, I have this little Mister Coffee pot here where I do the whole filter and grounds and mm-hmm. stuff. My normal everyday coffee drinking comes from an espresso machine. Um, you know, drinking double espressos. Um, how are you making your coffee? Are you doing the the filter and the grounds? Are you still yes. old school Jones? Yeah, filter in the filter 12, uh, 12 cup pot. Uh, Cafe oh. Postello is the go to. It seems to be the best, uh, the one I can taste the best. Uh, I drink the first cup black, so I sip it a little longer, so I drink less 
fast as because then I start putting cream in it. The, the more cream that goes in, the faster I drink this shit. So I do my first cup black and then I add a little cream for the next few. Um, might be switching it up, doing the first two black, then cream, so I can ride this thing out even longer. But uh, that's the way it's been. So that's my coffee drinking escapade uh, each morning. If you nice. if you'd all like to know, yeah, yeah, I'm drinking uh, like I said <clears throat> the uh, double espressos, and then at work we have a fancy machine where I can make French vanilla lattes. Lovely. I used to do the Keurig thing, but uh, I became way too. Uh, way too convenient with those and wasteful and it, it it's a little bit of a cost savings to go ahead and do the grounds so yeah. it's the old school way baby yeah sticking with it yeah all right so let's watch this match it's the triple cage it's the uh david arquette defending his wcw title uh he won it i believe april 26th 2000 so very uh probably a week before this so he Bro. held that title for about a month, huh? Six days? No. This is, oh, this is May 7th. You're right. It's about, yeah. you're looking at about 10 to 12 days, I think he yeah. held that. Because you right, you're right on the 26th. Yeah. Uh, and then this is, uh, this here is May 7th, 2000. Um, so it's the it. following Sunday. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like it. It sounds like it. It sounds like it wasn't the exact following. So it would be a Thursday, the title changed, then there was a weekend, and then the following. was. The yeah. So he's about 10 days in. That's about right. Yeah. So he's a 10 days into his title reign, um, which is about the average title reign of this um, WCW uh, Russo run, Russo era. Uh, the title, uh, I think uh, Jeff Jarrett is a four-time WCW champion in a span of about 40 days. That's unbelievable. That's why I'd never give any uh, credit to the whole, uh, how many times they won the title in wrestling. I think the... Uh... I think that's a, a crappy stat to go. I like to go to the guys that they kept the belt on the longest because if to keep the belt on a guy the longest is shows longevity that you can handle the company and be the top guy for a very long time without anyone else having to come in to switch it up. You're entertaining enough to the, the product's going well enough with you on top that they don't need to do any crazy title changes. And clearly that's evident in WCW 2000 with 952,000 title changes to that belt. But, uh, but, but, but doesn't that, um, but also but to counter that point, uh, this was more of a, this was more of a booking decision than it was a ratings uh, drawing part because nobody was drawing in this in this WCW. Uh, you know, you almost, can't, you, you almost can't. You almost got to take WCW post two thousand here as a totally like they don't they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. This doesn't really even come close to a, a legitimately stable company at this point. So. Uh, yes, you're right. It's booking decisions. Indeed. They're not trying to find a top guy to ride out the company to sell tickets. They just need butts in the seats. They need something to happen. They need to keep changing things up and down just to keep anyone interested because they don't have anyone apparently that they could keep at the top and run this thing to compete with the WWF and to draw ratings and put butts in the seats. So clearly this is an anomaly and this is a, a shitty one at that, but, uh, Hey, we're still talking about it 23 fucking years later because I don't know. Are you going to talk about WWE 2021 in, in 20 years from now? I don't think you are. No. Um, I do want to mention, though, that this triple cage is a really cool visual. Did they use this cage for that Halloween Havoc? I believe I forgot what year it was. or I, It might have it been an uncensored, actually, I should say. Uh, the one where it was the Hogan, the Tower of Doom or whatever the fuck. We, I, think we I, I don't it. think so because this does not. This cage only gets referenced from Ready to Rumble. It does not get referenced from Halloween Havoc. 
I think the one from Halloween Havoc is three cages of the same size on top of each other. Aren't these ones smaller as you get up or some shit? Yeah, as as you go higher, they get smaller. Yeah. Yeah, that's the different thing then, the different structure. This is very weird. All right, let's get it started. The cages were stacked one on top of the other, and each had a roof atop of it. The bottom cage contained the ring and a trap door, which led to the second cage, which contained various weapons and a normal cage door to exit. Once outside the second cage, the wrestlers had to scale it to reach the third, much smaller cage. The third cage, which was about the size of a storage closet, had a similar similar door, contained several guitars, baby, lending to Jared's signature move of breaking guitars over his opponent's heads and uh, hanging from the ceiling just above the roof of the third cage was the big gold, the world championship belt. The object was to be the first wrestler to gain possession of the belt with the winner becoming WCW champion. So I don't think this was the Halloween Havoc. No, you're right. It's not because it didn't it didn't do that uh, at all. And just to kind of go back really quick to what you were talking about, about title reigns and such. I got a, a guy I'm following on Instagram who's doing a uh, tournament through his Instagram story, and he's trying to determine who the greatest world champion in WWF ever was. I know we're talking WCW today, but one that came up to me that kind of pissed me off was it was a matchup between Bret Hart and uh, Bruno San Martino. And uh, Bret Hart won by a landslide. Now, I, I know, I see your reaction there. I, see it. I know. And I said, I voted for Bruno San Martino. Recency bias. That's what I was going to say. I said it's complete recency bias, 100%. I also was pissed off because Stone Cold Steve Austin just edged out Randy Savage in this one, too. Now, I think Savage was a greater champion than Austin, but I think Austin might have taken it just through character, through storyline, through vignette, through segments. And, and recency bias. <laughs> And of course, recency bias, of course, and and just all around like, I don't know, edge and popularity, I'd say. But uh, those are some things that, you know, it's all opinion, as you say, but it's hard because, you know, that that era is so different. I'm talking back to the San Martino era where he was holding the belt for what, seven years at a time, he had two reigns at five and seven years each or something. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, can you how do you judge these types of things I, I, with wrestling? I think it always just kind of comes down to an opinion in, in some cases, unlike other sports where it's like, hey, look, this team won eight titles in their entire legacy and they, they are a dynasty. They had multiple dynasty years. They're the best. Like, it's almost more objective. And where wrestling, I think, is just more subjective to who you like, what you find important and uh, character development comes in and all. So. so- to quote the great Jay-Z, the numbers don't lie, people do. So in order to really assess, you would have to look at the only thing you could really look at. And I'm not talking about days as champion. I'm talking about uh, money drawn. I'm talking about the business when the guy was champion. And yeah, when, yeah. when Bruno was champion... It was, it wasn't, it wasn't um, a worldwide product like when Brett was champion, but Brett didn't make it a worldwide product. It just, the times had made it a worldwide product. So when you look at what they accomplished as champion, touring, money, Bruno is going to win by a country mile. I mean, business in the WWF when Brett was champion was never great. Um, even on a national scale, um, I guess maybe overseas it would have been better. But in this country, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still would think Bruno's cultural impact was 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 greater than than Brett's. Absolutely, so. I I I stand by everything I've said in 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 the past that the the, the real matchup for the two greatest champions in the WWF history are Bruno San Martino and Hulk Hogan, and that's really hard to to argue. I'd say, and that's a coin flip. It's a coin flip in a sense of how you look at it. I mean, yeah, but it I would mean, be Hogan. It would be Hogan. You gotta, you gotta say it's Hogan. I mean, just like the the business, like from 1984 to 1999, basically followed what he did. I had an, I had a conversation with somebody who was telling me that because he was an anti-Hogan guy, that you could take Hogan out of the NWO and put Luger in there, and it would have the same impact. Huh. And That's... and and anybody could have made the run in the 80s. And it didn't need to be Hogan. It could have been anybody. And I said, you're completely wrong. And I understand its opinion, but your opinion is wrong because they tried other guys. They tried with Warrior. They tried with Luger. It never worked with anyone except Hogan. They kept going back. They went back to the well. Yeah, it's that's the bottom line. And to the NWO one, look, I'll I'll give them some I'll give some thought to the idea that the American hero from 1984 to 1993 uh, could be somebody else could be doubtful. But the NWO storyline, impossible. You couldn't take anyone from WWF, anyone from WCW or anywhere around the planet and, pl and plug them into the leadership of that NWO and make it work the way that it did. Impossible. Sting, no way would it have worked the same. Would have been cool, but not as cool. Luger, not a fucking chance in no. hell. Not even close. There is nobody. There is nobody else. May Macho Man Savage, possibly, but it's not going to reach the levels of Hulk Hogan taking that thing over the sheer fact that he turned heel was the whole reason that it worked because if you think about it i mean uh, what's what's his name sting is never a wwf guy the whole thing about that was a wwf guy is coming over that doesn't make sense savage if you put him in there he's already been a heel he was a macho king for a couple of years and we've seen him be a heel it was the shock value of hulk hogan so whoever said this I, you're right on its opinion but it's a very wrong opinion it's the most wrong opinion i could ever think of absolutely yeah, he's just using his, I think, his recency Hogan bias because of of the, the racial stuff. I think he's using yeah. that. People got, you know what? I don't care. People got to get over this shit right now. I don't care. You know what? People say things. People do things. And, and, and you, you, you got to stop crucifying and making them out to be the fucking devil well, because they said a it word. Doesn't, it doesn't matter what he said. It, it really it doesn't take away from his his great accomplishments. People need to look. No, not at all. You People need to just take away what happens personally and what's said. Like even Chris Benoit, if you just you can despise the man himself for what he did. And, and it'll always be kind of a, a thing about Chris Benoit that you can do. But you can't take away all he's contributed, the great matches he's put in there. Same thing with Hogan. You know what? Now what? You know what happens with this stuff? They take him out of the Hall of Fame. They shame him for a couple of months, and then they bring him back in, and it all blows over. Nobody cares. You want to talk recency bias? The ultimate recency bias is this fucking cancel culture crap where people just want to see people get fucking nixed on the spot. Then they are happy. They feel good about it. Nothing happened. It's empty bullshit, virtue signal crap, and then they just move on to the next thing to hate, and they live a life of misery, and it keeps going. And as they're going along their little path of misery, that other, the other one that they've chopped along the way they start rising back up and they come back hogan's back in the hall of fame 
Vince McMahon is back in WWF. You, I'm sorry. It's just they just keep going with their own life of misery and and waste a bunch of people's time. They have they have paper thin skin and they're nonsensical fucking virtue signal woke activist people who have no ambition. They sit at home, fart in a blanket, watch Netflix, and hate on everything else that's greater than them. Done. We are 20 minutes in and we have not hit the play button. On well, I'm going to let you go ahead and hit the play button because this is only about a, what, a 25 minute match. Not even. I think this is like uh, 15 minutes, 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. This is right. uh, this is a shorty here. Well, anyways, I had my little rant. So go no, ahead. I, and- I, I, we, we're, it's OK to talk about uh, these sorts of things leading up because it is only a 15 minute match. So, um, you know, if we didn't talk a little bit beforehand, it would be only about a 20 minute podcast. So. There you go. So now you hear it. Now, you know what? Fuck it all. Let's watch some Chris Benoit, some Hulk Hogan. Who gives a shit? Let's go ahead and start this thing. And, and David Arquette, the greatest wrestler of all time. Let's Great, the greatest. The GOAT. Nobody's the, better. Nobody's better. Two hours and 26 minutes and 25 seconds is the timestamp for what we are about to watch. And what we are about to watch is a great Jeff Jarrett and Gene Okerlund uh interview in the back that i figured we should start with uh, because it's a, it's a classic interaction between these two and plus it extends out our little watch along a couple of extra minutes because it is only a 15 minute and 30 second match um we do have who am i um we are going to play that game i do have a, a new who am i so we're going to play that as we uh watch this match or after this match and we're going to get a pw 120 in here and I've got, the Mel- I've got the Meltzer ratings, and uh, once you, after the Jarrett promo, we'll get into those right away to lead up ourselves right into this match. Yes, yeah, so we're going to get a PW120 uh, going here as well. So we still got a lot to do here on this on this episode, so yeah. let's get right to it. And if you are watching this right now, uh, you can see that we have the screen paused uh, on the Great American Bash. This is actually Slamboree. This is a promo for the next pay-per-view, just in case right. anyone's confused right now. Good call. Good call. So it's two hours, 26 minutes and 25 seconds. I will count down three, two, one, and they're going to throw it to Gene Okerlund and Jeff Jarrett here. Uh, Two hours, 26, 25 on the countdown clock. And here we go. Three, two, one. Chosen one, Jeff Jarrett. You're going to be involved in a match tonight where you could walk out being the two-time, two-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. However, that match is going to take place in a triple cage, the ready-to-rumble triple cage. You're going to be facing two other men, literally, Diamond Dallas Page and David Arquette. It could be a handicap match. Oh, so I guess you think you got it all figured out, don't you? Well, guess what? You're still just a geriatric slap-ass. Slap-ass. Now, as far as the cage goes, I can't wait to embarrass DDP and that 150-pound turd, David Arquette, because I'm going to get my title back. And tonight, we're going to play a little game of boots and ladders. And when it's all said and done, they're going to be flossing with my shoelaces. Why don't you choke on that, Oakland? Okay, we are back in the arena. Michael Buffer stands in the center. 
Oh man, you know what? It's short and sweet, but you know, you I love that this version of Jarrett so much. Like the, the slap nuts, the slap ass, slappy, all that, all that choke on that. And, and you can't, you know, Gene Okerlund, man, what a constant, what a what an always on man. The guy is just always good, no matter what he was doing, what era it was, where he was. He's sitting here now in a floundering company. He's still doing his thing. Just sounds professional. Mean Gene Okerlund is an absolute legend. There was one exchange. I can't remember the pay-per-view. It was in this era. There's one exchange where Jared says, "I'm gonna slap your, I'm gonna slap your liver spots in two tonight, Okerlund." And it was just, just Okerlund's facials and response. It was just, oh, he's, oh he he just knows how, he knows how to play it off. It's so much more than just being able to conduct an interview with him. He's just. He knows how to play it right and say the right things and react the right way. He was there for so many legendary promos and stuff and everything, even though the Hogan one, when he turned in and everything, he's just always, always on it. Yep. So here we go. The triple cage. Here comes the cage. If we, if we weren't watching this on Peacock, I would play it because I would have Jeff Jarrett's, you know, good theme song, but unfortunately we're watching it on Peacock, so it'll be edited. And that, by the way, is Spring Stampede. It's the month before this one where Jared says, I'll smack your liver spots right in two tonight. Classic. Anyways, try. so yeah, to give you this, while we're getting ready for this cage to drop in the intros, I'm going to get going here just to uh, go over the event here. This is Slamboree 2000, the last Slamboree we'll ever see, I believe. Uh, actually, definitely. And uh, this is, again, Sunday, May 7th, 2000 at the Kemper Arena. This is where Owen Hart lost his life tragically. The we year have prior. The year prior, correct. Um, almost to the day, actually. And if, I'm, if I remember correctly, and just trust me on how weird my memory is, if you look this up, Dick Ford, I believe May 7th is actually Owen Hart's birthday. Now, that was not me Googling. That was me and my very strange mind that remembers weird shit. I think so, it was May, so I think you might be on to something. Yeah. Not, for a fact, I know his birthday was in May, but here, let me, I'll tell you the... Uh... Yeah. The attendance is 7,165 in this arena. Which is not a lot. Yeah, Owen Hart was born May 7, 1965, a year before my mother. Wow. So, there you go. And he there dies May 23, so it's 16 days prior to the one-year anniversary. And we just passed the anniversary of Owen's death two days ago. Yeah, he wouldn't even be that old right now, to be honest with you. He was uh, no, he was really robbed of his life and, and his family and, and everything of the sort. And but you know what? You know what you could be excited about and what you can look forward to for those of you wrestling fans who play video games? Owen Hart is about to be in a wrestling video game. That's right. On June 29th, when AEW Fight Forever comes out, Owen Hart is back, baby. Mm, interesting. I didn't have any idea about that. I'm guessing this is the first time we'll have seen him in a video game since the late 90s. A long time. Yeah, he was in the Legends. He was in a Legends of Wrestling game, I think, in the early 2000s. Don't quote me. He All was right. in a Legends, one of the Legends of Wrestling games. But yes, I mean, this is the first time in a long time. Right. And um, don't expect, obviously, don't expect Owen to have any of his cool Heart Foundation slammy attires because, of course, that's a WWF thing. 
Um, so expect I, him in his his all his new Japan stuff. But I hope so. I hope he's not dressed up like the road sign in the Nation of Domination because that was no, a weird, uh, weird, uncomfortable, misplaced version of Owen Hart. And how good was he that he actually sort of made that work? But yes, exactly. But um, I would expect um, somebody to create that Owen Hart attire so that you could have the Hart Foundation Owen Hart. But yes, Owen Hart, maybe. Speaking uh, speaking of attire, speaking of attire, uh, I do like this version of Jeff Jarrett and his attire. The short hair, the uh, the tights. He got rid of those, uh, what do you call those, ribbon-esque looking things, that country version of himself all lit up, that corny-ass mid-90s version. He got this look. It came about at SummerSlam 98 when he lost a hair versus hair match to X-Pac. Back in the WWF, he started that look and uh, carried that over here. And I think that look is what helped get him to the main event status here in uh, WCW. Not just so, uh, the, the, the talent pool necessarily helped anything with that. But You have the uh, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, you see he's wearing the Slapnut shirt. Now, um, Madness on my other Ford and Vegas pro wrestling podcast. I doubt you heard. But let me share a little story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was at Disneyland. Uh, my wife got us passes for my birthday, even though it's her thing. Um, it was disguised as my birthday, but it really was for her. Well, but anyway, nice. uh, before the, the morning of us going to Disneyland, I thought, you know what? I haven't worn it in a while. I'm going to wear my listed up slap nuts shirt because why not? So we are uh, walking through Disneyland and I get stopped by a, a cast member, as they're called. His name is um, Brian. Shout out to him there at Disney World. Uh, sorry, Disneyland. And uh, he goes, hey, man, man. Um, he goes, can I take a picture of your shirt? <laughs> and I was like, absolutely. He goes, literally today I was talking to a fellow co-worker about that era of Jeff Jarrett. And I was like, it was the best. And he goes, man, it was the best. Slap nuts, slap ass. I go, it was it was great. He goes, yeah, 98, 99. And, of course, I had to correct him. I said, uh -uh. also 2000, because this is this is 2000, Jeff Jarrett. And he's like, yeah, so we shot the shit a little bit. I uh, told him about that one Twitter account I run. So he started following that. And then he said, um, where are you guys headed? I was like, oh, we're headed to Haunted Mansion. He goes, let me give you some fast passes. So he took out, we took out our phones. He scanned our phones. We got fast passes to Haunted Mansion, all because of my Listen Up Slap Nuts Jeff Jarrett t-shirt that I wore to Disneyland a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes you just never know. Jared's, never know. Jeff Jarrett's getting me hooked up in 2023. How about it? Right. And speaking of more attire, you got uh, David Arquette looking like a, a disco devil or something with what he's wearing, this very red flamboyant like looking thing it looks ridiculous on him uh i'm sure he's meant to look that stupid um but here we are and i, I want to ask you a hypothetical as a big jeff jarrett fan say say jarrett stuck around in the wwf around this time now you know it's white hot over there and it's uh ice cold dog shit here where do you, do you think vince do you think the creative they're letting jarrett get to a top spot or is that not I happening mean, he was in a top spot not in the WWF. Yeah, it was feuding with China and their continental title. I mean, it's a top. Oh no, no, I'm talking top spot, world championship. Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, uh, Undertaker. Are, is he well, getting there? I think he probably, should have. Yes, but probably not because Vince would have already put the ceiling on him. 
I think the ceiling was already on him because yeah. he was in the tag team ranks when he left, pretty much. And they didn't even know what to do after no, Owen Hart died. He, he stuck around for a couple months. He what? He was Intercontinental Champion when he left. He dropped the belt in the good housekeeping match to China. Yeah, but it was like he's been flopping around with the Intercontinental belt like since 1994. I know, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like Vince already had the ceiling. Vince has a yeah. ceiling. Well, that was a question I was asking you. I don't think there was any way. I, the only thing that was different was that his character in 98 had changed a bit, but he had already been that that character, that short hair, more edgier version of himself outside of that country music crap that I, he was doing. I the think, only thing that came good out of that was that song we love. Of course. I think Jarrett, had he gone back to WWF in 2001, I think and still continued doing his slap nut stuff, I think it would have been, I think he would have had a better run. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't going to happen. Cause if you can recall on the last episode of, of nitro, the one where it was the simulcast, uh, there was a segment in there where Vince McMahon was, uh, rattling off names of WCW wrestlers. And he even mentioned Jared on the broadcast. And he's got one word for you, Jared gone. And and there was no way that Jarrett was coming over. I, I think that was his way of saying Jarrett does not have a job at the uh, WWF at the time. And then shortly after, we get uh, NWA, TNA, or whatever they called it. Total Impact Wrestling. Total Nonstop Action. Total Nonstop, whatever the fuck it's called. It's uh, I mean, Hexagon don't, Ring. Please don't, please don't downplay the significance of Jeff Jarrett starting a wrestling company. Oh, like, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. It just never got to the point of where we thought it would get. That's all. No, but it launched... Numerous oh, careers. I mean, without oh, yeah. AJ Styles made his name there. Yeah, Abyss and and the, the Christopher Samoa. Daniels, Samoa Joe. I mean, the list goes on. And on, Rob, on. Robert so, Rude. Robert Rude was there. Austin Aries. Yeah. So I want to talk about as we're going to get a thing here at the end where we got a swerve, bro. There has been, except for what we just saw when uh, DDP ducked, there really had been no physical contact between Jeff Jarrett and David Arquette. And it's interesting now to know what we know is going to happen at the end of this thing. And then you watch it back and you're like, oh shit, they never really, they have not really touched each other yet. Arquette went for a splash, but Jarrett moved. And then the only time Jarrett actually hit Arquette is when DDP ducked. So keep that in mind and watch specifically for the interaction between Jarrett and that 150 pound turd, David Arquette. And here goes the, the ladder. It looks like uh, DDP is trying to get up to the second level already here, but got a little distracted. Um, now would be a good time as I was trying to get to it. Let's let's see how well Dick Star or Dick Star. That's a kind of a cool name for you, Dick Star. Yeah. If I was like flamboyant and kind of borderline gay, that'd be perfect. Or just a, porno- a pornographic actor. You know, Dick Star. Green, by the way, we got color here. Red equals green here at Slambury. There you go. All right. So the first match on this card was Chris Candido. Uh, this is the Cruiserweight Championship. He defeated the, the artist, who is Prince Iakea, in about eight minutes. What it's do you the think best version of Prince Iakea, by the way. Kind of a ripoff of what Goldust was doing already a few years back. I mean, I think it was more of a ripoff of fucking Prince. But well, They were both ripoffs of Prince, but... <laughs> At least this one made more sense because his name this was Prince. Like really, like, no, this is like really blatant Prince. Um, how many stars from Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter? Candido and 
the artist probably two stars exactly two stars very wow. good you're a hundred percent so far if you can get I them all you're, you're either cheating or a genius okay yeah. let's find out i think well, i'm not getting them all and i oh. definitely didn't cheat so impossibility okay the second matchup is terry funk this is yeah. the hardcore title he's the champion yeah. defeating norman smiley and ralphus in a three-way hardcore match that went 10 minutes it's probably a one star it's a two-star match See? third Third matchup, Sean Stasiak defeating Kurt Hennig in seven minutes and 54 seconds. Say it one more time. Uh, sorry, you got Sean Stasiak defeating Kurt Hennig in seven minutes and 54 seconds. Dud. A one-star contest. And I forgot about the overlay there. My apologies. When did that go off? Do you know? Uh, he was pretty much off the whole time. I just didn't say shit, but you should have said shit, but well, I did. Yeah, you should have it ready to go. And I, should I it, it was ready to go. Mm, well, it wasn't there. So anyways, uh, now it is. So there we go. We got, some, we got some variety on the show and you know, it's all good. Fourth matchup, Scott Steiner champion, United States champion, defeating by submission, Captain Rection, who is, uh, I believe Hugh Morris, Bill DeMott, whatever you want to call him. Uh, nine minutes and 24 seconds. This is Scott Steiner with Medeja. Mm-hmm. Uh two and a quarter. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Two and a quarter. <laughs> we got two on the button. Very good. Yeah. All right. Uh fifth matchup, Mike Awesome. Uh in a draw, no contest with Canyon in 12 minutes and eleven seconds. I think I'll take away from the draw two stars. Actually, three and a quarter. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go back and watch I'm gonna go back and watch this match yeah. because that's wild. Uh all right, match uh, the sixth match on the card is Lex Luger defeating Buff Bagwell by submission in nine minutes and thirty seconds. A star and a quarter. One star. Damn it. Uh seventh match on the card is Shane Douglas defeating Jared's really bleeding, by the way. Oh yeah, he's very cut open there. Very, yeah. very, very bloody. Shane Douglas defeating Ric Flair in eight minutes and 46 seconds by pinfall. Two stars. Three stars. Wow. Mm-hmm. Eighth match on the card. Oh, that Stan- match. Oh, can we just can we just pause for a second? Yeah. Because that, that match should have been a bigger deal yes. because of the long storied, I know mainly internet, mainly hardcore fan. Uh, I, I, for the lack of a better term, rivalry, even though they never actually wrestled, but because of Douglas's hatred for Flair, I mean, there's like an ECW highlight 94 where he's like, Flair's dead. Like, I mean, he, he, you know, very popular uh, clip that they used and everything. Um, that match should have been a, a much bigger deal. I think um, it's lessened by the fact that it happens in 2000. Um but yeah, I think I think Shane Douglas himself should have been a much bigger deal. Um, I'm not the biggest Shane Douglas fan, and you know what though? I, like I've said before, he was sort of during the hottest time in wrestling. I felt like he was in the wrong promotion at the wrong time all the time. Yeah. Like he was just not where he should have been. If he was in a different spot, if he was there in WWF during the Attitude Area, uh, the WCW during the the start of the NWO, and you know. Even in, you know, he was just an ECW. He was the Dean Douglas. He came in in the shit time during, uh, 
WCW. Just always in the wrong spot, it felt like. I felt like he could have been a lot bigger. But anyways, uh, that was a three-star. So yeah. the eighth, eighth match is Sting defeating Va- uh, Vampiro uh, by pinfall in six minutes and 49 seconds. What love do you think Vampiro. that guy? Love, love Vampiro. Two Great and three-quarter. Two and a half. Close. Oh, very close. Very close. Okay, okay. The ninth matchup is Hulk Hogan defeating Billy Kidman in 13 minutes and 31 seconds with special guest referee Eric Bischoff. A star and three quarter. Two and a half. Motherfucker. And then the last match here, the final Oops. match. What? Don't say who wins. I'm not going to say who wins, but oh, let's... DDP's, DDP's bleeding. We got a lot of blood here. And we went through the side of the second cage. That that pussy, Arquette better cut himself open, too. Yeah, that pussy. That bastard. Uh, so, anyways, Jeff Jarrett. Still at the Jeff, bottom. He has not made its way up yet. Finishing it off here. Yeah. Without giving away the result. Yeah. We yeah. already said it's 15 minutes and 30 seconds between Jarrett, Arquette, and Two Page. and a half. This is a three and a quarter. Wow. Match. And I want to say something about this event. Based on Meltzer ratings, yeah. For, for the time in the company here, what this was, there was not one match that was rated a dud or a negative star That's on this good. card. So pretty shocking to see. Every single rating is above one. Can I give you the flip side? Sure. Cage match has this show. Now, granted, looking at it here, cage match gave this show a 5.28. Now, I don't know how big Cage Match was in 2000. In fact, I don't even know if Cage Match was around yet. So this could all be retro viewing. And it must be because there's not enough votes on any of these matches to have a total rating. So Cage Match must have must have came out years after this event aired. But... What do you say? Uh, what do you say about this match, though? Like, what do you say about this structure? Like, do you think this is I cool? I think this is kind of. I think it's kind of cool, to be honest with you. Sure You've got. Badass. I'm surprised Vince never stole it. These guys are actually on top of the second cage right now, or the the main cage, I believe. That it was basically the size of a hell in a cell. It seems, or close to it. Uh, they're on top of that on the outskirts of it, which is pretty cool. Yes, this cage was a great. This was great. This was a hell of a gimmick. Here's, here's Jarrett now showing that he's going to throw DDP off the side of it. He was going to Irish whip him off the side of it. Both guys are bleeding. Uh, DDP and Jeff Jarrett had great chemistry. They had a great match the month prior, Spring Stampede, um, despite, you know, everyone's intensive and purposes of not having a great match. They still managed to. David Arquette is still on the bottom here looking up. Oh, he looks ridiculous. I had a Halloween costume that looked like this, except uh, when I was like, three or four three years old i have a picture of me as like this devil and my parents dressed me up as what were they trying to say but uh it looks like this when he has when he has the cape on and, and all that it's ridiculous yeah. so we're on the second tier here there has still been zero from what i recall here there has been zero physical altercations between Jarrett. And Arquette, and all of a sudden, here comes Mike Awesome. Who, out of nowhere. Out of absolutely nowhere, Mike nowhere. Awesome. Like, he climbed like, up the cage because he didn't, he didn't propel down because he's got nothing on his body, so he did not propel down. He is simply, he just climbed up. This Mike Awesome, 99, 2000, the ECW, WCW Mike Awesome, 
This guy should have been a world champion by God. Crim- criminally underrated was Mike. Horribly Austin. underrated. Insanely and underrated. It's because he's so underrated that he takes his own life. Does he does he have does he have he's a shit promo essentially, right? I don't think he's I don't do there's plenty of guys that could have talked for him. You just stick him with a Paul Heyman or something, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, yeah, that would have been a cool. Actually, you know, if you think about it, that would have been a really cool, uh, like heel. Well, I want to go to the audio. Hold on, hold on. Right, go ahead. The page has his little toady up there to help him win the title. Oh, Jeff Jarrett. And the reason I want to go to the audio is because there's a great line from Tony Schiavone. I want you to pick it out, Madness. They're following the guitar room. Guitars yeah. everywhere. Jarrett's got the guitar one shot. And it's- no. Oh, page ducked out of the way. There's plenty of guitars to go around, guys. He missed that guitar shot. Can you believe this? Page has got another acoustic equalizer. Heading it up to Arcade. That is a great strategy. That certainly is. And now, as Jared comes up, Jared's going to get wiped out. He slammed the door on Jeff Jared's head. Unbelievable. There is so much violence, you're almost numb to it. And just when you think they can't top it, they do. Look at how high up they are. Tony, you've seen guys bleed a lot in this sport. How much is the loss of blood? affecting DD me and Jarrett right now. Oh, it is, it is affecting their vision. It is affecting their wind supply. It is affecting everything they do. But it hurts. I will say this, Arquette is a true friend of Page because he can take that belt right there, right now for himself. But he's holding the fort till DD me gets to his feet. He's got the acoustic equalizer up top with it. Mike Awesome is unconscious on top of the lower level of the cage. And David Arquette ready to knock somebody right out of the park and it looks like it's gonna be here we go Paige gonna make it what did he do he just walked Paige what did he do and another shot David Arquette yes yes a shot buddy he just walked yeah way to go champ way to go champ way to go champ David Arquette with the acoustic equalizer just took out Diamond Dallas Paige good god it was a setup all along it's the ultimate twerk. 42. Do it, do it, do it, Jeff. Do it, no, yes. no. Yes. The chosen one is the chosen champion. And David Arquette, I knew the boy had in him. He's a lighter day, Lawrence Olivier. He is the greatest astro of all time. He's helped coronate the greatest world champion of our time. But wasn't he in page folks, friends? Get page celebrate with David Arquette when he won the title a couple of weeks ago. Wait a minute, Mike. Mike Awesome has got Diamond Donald's page. Good God, he's not going to awesome bomb him on top of the cage. Oh, I hope he is. I, I sure hope he is. I hope he doesn't. Wait a minute, there's Canyon. Chris, Canyon. Canyon and Awesome. Great, Canyon. Who? Who said that blood was thicker than water? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> we didn't help. We didn't help God. We didn't help Lee. We didn't help. All right, so there you go. But uh, where, what was the line? Something about a swerve 42 feet up in the air. Yeah, that's, that's a tremendous line from from. Um, I liked it. And uh, unfortunately, we had a Chris Canyon running there with with uh, what a great spot to end the show. And those are two guys, unfortunately, that committed suicide. I, you know, it's sad. If you think about that. I mean, it's it's really unfortunate. And, you know, who ended up looking really stupid in this whole angle is DDP, because if you remember when Arquette won the title, DDP was the champion and and, and, and Arquette won it. And then he's celebrating his title loss, like we talked about with Arquette. 
now he's in this match and he gets double, he gets swerved 42 feet up in the air. And he's, honestly, I think DDP looks dumber than anybody out of this. But What a moment. I know that that spot there at the end gets a lot of um, negative controversy. because Why? Because it's the same arena where Owen Hart fell. Oh, that's right. And we talked about this before. I knew I was looking at that moment when he was thrown from there. And I know we talked about this on the show. That's what it, I was like. Something is wrong about that. And somebody has a problem with that. I don't remember what it was, but you just tied that up for me. And yes, I don't know. I, I think that is probably in bad taste now that I think about this. Yeah, it's in bad taste because it's like a year later. And not, e- not even a year in the same fucking building. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think um, we should have done that a little better. Yeah, I'm usually not offended by much and things, but even I have my limits. And I think that that was probably something that we don't uh, we don't do. Um, you know, like uh, like, for instance, I didn't think that in 2010, when the Nexus came in and overtook Raw, uh, Daniel Bryan got suspended or I think released for choking. Uh, I think it was Justin Roberts with his tie or something. Uh, and you're not supposed you weren't supposed to use anything around the neck uh, post Benoit because of what he had done. And I thought that was a little bit much. I think that's too far. Yeah, that one. So let's play uh, Who Am I here? Again, this is a game where I have six clues, and Madness has to try to guess who am I. And I am on the roster on May 7, 2000. I'm on the WCW roster, so I kind of narrow it down for him. And uh, Madness, we will start with the first clue, and we have a couple of sound effects if you get um, get them wrong or if you get it right. Now, I think this is uh, much easier as opposed to weeks prior. Um, if you're keeping score at home, <clears throat> at home, Ford has won four times, Madness once, and Vegas once. So this is where uh, Madness here tries to close the gap. All right, here we go, Madness. Are you ready? Ready? All right, here is our first clue of who am I? After being trained by Dominic DiNucci, I made my wrestling debut in 1982. Wrestling debut, 1982. Oh, Dominic DiNucci. Uh, nice Italian, Italian He's guy. Not there. Post okay. Google, folks. Uh, no saying. Googling. Yeah. Hands. I will take another clue. All right. So, uh, clue number two. I've wrestled under six gimmick names, and I even used Orndorff as my last name, but I'm not related to Paul. Oh, wow. We can just continue on there. All right. In uh, 1986, I wrestled Randy Savage at a WWF Superstars of Wrestling taping. Am I allowed to guess? I don't get disqualified for not guessing right, right? I can guess. You can guess. Uh, Paul Roma. You know, Italian, Italian looking guy. Name is Paul, said Orndorff. Clue number four. I made my WCW debut in 1988. I returned in 1992, and I returned again in 1999. Very interesting. Lots of different stints. Yeah. How about Lex Luger? Now, 
This is clue number five, folks, and this will be the clue that gives it away, and I will lose right here. You'd be surprised. I made my WWF debut in 1990. I returned in 95, but haven't been back since 96. Yeah, it sounds like it's easy. Debuted in 1990? Yeah, he made his WWF debut in 1990. He returned in 95, but hasn't been back since 96. So he's been out of it since 96. Out of the WWF, yes. We don't know how long he was gone from 90 to 95, though. Or was he there the whole time? Correct. Hmm. Give me the final clue. Final clue. Here we go. I won titles in WWF, WCW, MLW, ECW, but never won any in TNA, despite working there on and off from 2003 to 2009. I should get this, but I don't know if I'm gonna, to be honest with you, because I have no freaking idea at this point. I don't even have a, a glimpse. I don't know anyone that used the name Orndorff. Um, so, you know what, Dick? I'm gonna. I don't want to bore our listeners by me right. just sitting here thinking. That's so okay. I'm gonna go ahead and just kind of talk and ramble a little bit while I. Yeah, they're, thinking too. They're, Apple. Thinking too. they're thinking too. People are playing this game right now as they think. Yelling or, at me. Yelling at me. Yelling at their iPhone because they know the answer. Wondering why this Mike Madness guy can remember Owen Hart's fucking birthday but doesn't know this. Uh, so he debuted in 19 fucking 90? No, he debuted in 1982. I mean, in WWF. Oh, in WWF in 1990. Um, WCW 1988. Yeah. This is gonna piss me off because I'm gonna I'm gonna like be like oh no shit yeah. the minute I fucking hear this thing because yeah. 1990 you know I mean everyone wants to say the Undertaker but he yeah. wasn't on the roster here then so correct correct uh, he was on the roster 2000 WCW all right I'm gonna give this one to you Dick Ford and I want wow. I want to know let's hear it wow are you ready I'm ready. It's the franchise, Shane Douglas. Yeah, you know what? I should have got that considering I mentioned it before. And now yep. that you think about it, you know what? He was only on one pay-per-view, and that was the Royal Rumble 1991 as an entrant. And I didn't know his status there. As he was just like one of those one-offs that kind of just came in uh, or what. But yeah, all right. Well, you you are correct. because that, that would make sense because the Dean, Dean Douglas came in there, and that was that. So. Yeah, 1995, and he hasn't been back since 96 because he's been mm -hmm. he's been blacklisted apparently, and he wasn't even invited to the ECW stuff. And yeah, and shame on you for the Max Moon one, the or excuse me, the Conan one last week. That was trash, but this one was on me. I should have got this. So. <laughs> I like how you had to slide that one in. I'm just making sure that you know it's fair because that was bullshit, yeah. and this one makes more sense. That was a good one. That was a good one. All right, and I did a little. I did better. If you noticed, I did not do. I was born in 1964 as a. I mean, you might have. I just spewed it out. Fucking Owen Hart's birthday on this fucking podcast. Yeah. So maybe I didn't like his that. wrestling debut this time. I figured um, more, more more often than not, more often than not, the birthday ain't gonna help for shit. Yeah. So, and I do want to make it, you know, somewhat fun. Right. The one with the Conan to... wasn't fun. This was fun. I lost. I want you guys to, want you guys to get it once in a while. You know, it's yeah. more fun when it's me and Joey Vegas, though. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, hey, at least we haven't abandoned the game. We'll keep it going. It's still a good one. So, uh, Instagram, Coffee and Wrestling. YouTube, Coffee and Wrestling. 
Um, because we are now sharing the videos as we watch along, expect every one of our YouTube shows to just be audio only. Just how it's going to work. But if you want to watch it, Spotify, baby, you can get us on Spotify. They will not pop our videos, so you can watch whatever we're watching. Uh, Ford on Twitter is Ford uh, at Ford Complains. And Madness on Instagram is at the Mike Madness. JCD is here with a PW120, and we're going to go to him momentarily. And uh, Madness, our next show, I believe you wanted us to cover the 1993 King of the Ring. I think that might be something interesting to go over. We haven't really done much King of the Ring of anything here, I don't think, on the show, at least not in recent months. Uh, that could be one that's coming up. It's the 30-year anniversary of that. That was the perfect, yeah. final, final, the truth. To me, it was the, the WrestleMania 8 match against Sid was like the end of Hulkamania, the end of Hogan era, the end of the Golden era. To me, that's when that ended. But then you had this, I think, this little panic that you had in, in early 1993 to where they just seemed like they had to bring Hogan back for WrestleMania and another title run. And then they needed to get somebody. And I think it helped obviously Yokozuna a little bit to get, to get over to where his, his monster status to beat Hogan. I mean, you, you want a monster heel boy, that's one way to do it. So I think there's a lot to talk about here. Um, and I think that might be a good one to go. And again, if you are listening, uh, Dick Ford over there just gave us, uh, gave you all the handles of where to find us. We will listen to you. Um, and do an episode of what you like. So don't be afraid to shoot us a, a message on Instagram or a tweet, tweet at Dick Ford over there and uh, get us figured out. And then we can, you can have your own episode here. We'll just rattle off whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, we'll watch whatever uh, you want us to watch. So, all right, for Vegas, who's not here, uh, for Madness, I'm Ford. We'll see you guys next time right here on uh, a cup, cup of coffee in the big time. Let's throw it over to JCD with this episode's PW120, the fastest 120 seconds in all of professional wrestling podcasts. And we'll see you guys next time. The Pro Wrestling 120, the fastest 120 seconds in pro wrestling. Hey everybody, what's up? It's John JCD Dimaselli for the PW120 with a little Night of Champions preview. As you know, this weekend, WWE presents Night of Champions from Jeddah. It's actually an action-packed weekend with shows across the board between Double or Nothing, uh, Under Siege, NXT, and of course, Night of Champions on Saturday being the main event of the weekend. As far as this show goes, it's really a two-match show, but boy, they are two big matches. Of course, I'm talking about Roman Reigns and Solo Sokola challenging Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the undisputed WWE Tag Team titles. I'm going to expect that the Usos, quote-unquote, unintentionally screw Roman and Solo out of the titles and sets up a rumored big-time tag team match for Money in the Bank at the O2 in London, which would see Roman and Solo against the Usos. The other match is, of course, to crown the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion between AJ Styles and Seth Rollins. And I might be in the minority here, but I think AJ Styles pulls the upset on Seth Rollins. I think they've been too focused on making you think this title is 100% custom-made for Rollins. I think because of that, 
I think it's a big red herring, and I think Styles wins the title. As far as AEW and Double or Nothing goes, this is a very underwhelming show. There's not much to pique your interest. However, real quick, with the f- fatal four-way for the four pillars, MJF retains. <sighs> Sorry. Something about that match just makes you want to go to sleep. And in Anarchy in the Arena, I predict the BCC will defeat the Elite when Takashita turns on the Elite, setting up a five-on-five blood and guts match with the Elite joining forces with Kota Ibushi. Whatever you're watching this weekend, enjoy.